Well, Merry Christmas and uh, welcome to Genesis Church. And uh, whether you call Genesis your church or maybe you're here as a guest today, uh, someone else who attends Genesis, maybe you live here in the community, uh, maybe you're here from out of town, uh, we want to welcome you here with us today and we're excited to have you uh, for our Christmas service here at Genesis. My name is Paul Mumaw. And I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, what we've been doing over the last few weeks is uh, we've been in this series called Hope in the Chaos, and we're looking at an Old Testament passage that comes right out of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, uh, when Isaiah says this, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, long before this child was ever born, this Old Testament prophet Isaiah stood before the Jewish people and prophesied about the hope that would one day come into the world, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And today, we'd look at Isaiah's words and we'd say they kind of resemble a, hey, we're going to have a baby uh, sort of announcement. And if that's the case... Well, then the angel's words, the angel's declaration in Luke chapter 2 is the birth announcement. It's the baby has been born. I mean, we read those words a moment ago. A child is born, the Savior, the hope of the world, Jesus Christ is born to us. And that's Christmas. And that is the only reason that we can celebrate Christmas. I mean, it's not a coincidence that the word Christ is in the word Christmas. I mean, he is Christmas. He's the reason that we celebrate. I mean, Jesus is Christmas. He is God's son sent for us. I mean, we know and we understand that Jesus is our prince of peace. He is the one that Isaiah was referring to 700 years before this baby was ever born. It's Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. He is our hope in the chaos. And over the past few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been talking about how Jesus is all of these things, he, how he is our, our wonderful counselor, how he is the mighty God, and how he's our everlasting father. And today we want to wrap up by looking at this title, this title that Isaiah referred to and why Jesus is our Prince of Peace. I mean, what does it mean for you and me that Jesus is our Prince of Peace? And if you're taking notes uh, and you want to follow along with us, the Prince of Peace means that he's the good news. I mean, the Prince of Peace means that he's the good news. His birth is good news. Christmas is good news for us. And who doesn't enjoy good news, right? I mean, we all enjoy really good news. I mean, don't you love it when somebody starts off their conversation with you, hey, I've got really good news, and not bad news attached to it, like you've got to choose which one comes first, but just the good news, all right? I've got good news. We've got good news like this. We've got good news that, hey, you're hired. That's great news. Or uh, we got the house. Or, hey, we sold our house. Or, uh, good news, like, hey, we're having a baby. Or, I'm engaged. Or, how about, he got his orders and he's coming home soon. Or, you passed. Or, the test has come back clean. Or, American Idol has been canceled, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe good news for some, maybe, maybe not. I mean, we can only hope, right? It's all good news. I mean, we love good news. And when Jesus was born, there was a group of shepherds that were out in their fields, and an angel of heaven appeared to them and announced in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. All right? Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. That will cause great joy 
for all people. What was this good news? The good news was that the birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, had come. He had been born. This is the good news. And that's why Christmas is good news. And that's why Christmas is the time when we can celebrate. And so over the course of the next few days for you and for your family, uh, many of you will look forward to and you'll celebrate, you know, with your family and with your close friends. And maybe you'll open presents together or uh, maybe you'll look back on this past year or kind of anxiously or enthusiastically look on the year that's ahead. And if you're a Christian, I hope you'll take time uh, over the next few days to just uh, pause and reflect on what it means to you that the birth of our Savior, that Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, has come, and what that means for you in your life. But if we're honest, um, we've got to acknowledge that we've kind of made it into this holiday uh, that has its own sets of rules and rituals, and that means that Christmas isn't always good news for everyone. I mean, it's no longer good news for everyone because some struggle to get through it. Or others will say, you know, I'm just hoping to survive another Christmas. If I, if I can survive Christmas, well, then I can survive anything. I mean, maybe it's a tough time for you this year. And it's a tough time for you because of what's going on in uh, your marriage. Or maybe what's going on in your home right now. Or uh, maybe you've got some intense financial pressure uh, that you're trying to work through. Uh, sometimes the hurt at Christmas comes from difficult memories from the past. Uh, others have lost loved ones, and if you've lost a loved one, you know that a time of year like this makes that especially clear. I mean, for some, Christmas is especially difficult because it's just lonely. I mean, it can be a very lonely time. I mean, Jenny, my wife Jenny and I have experienced some of that loneliness at Christmas. Uh, in our 15 years of marriage, we've never lived in the same town as our parents, and so we've spent some Christmas uh, days alone together, and I'll never forget uh, one of our first Christmases together. Uh, it, I think we were, it was our second year of marriage, and we were living in Anderson at the time. We had a home, and because Jenny was a nurse and working the second shift, we had to be in Anderson by ourselves on Christmas Day. And I'll never forget, we woke up that morning to a very cold house. Our furnace had gone out in the night. That's a great way to start off your Christmas morning. And then, well, lunchtime kind of came around, and we both kind of looked at each other like, well, I thought maybe you had planned something special for lunch. Well, I thought maybe you had planned something special for lunch. So we ventured out, and well, what's the only place you're going to find open to eat on a Christmas day? The Chinese buffet, right? We've been there. We've done that a few times uh, in our lives. And so I, I remember going to this uh, Chinese buffet in Anderson, and it was unforgettable for a few reasons, at least three. The first one was this. It was just the very fact that I was eating uh, General Sow's chicken on Christmas day in a building that used to house a, a Shoney's a breakfast buffet, I, I think. You know, I mean, you can just kind of imagine the scene. Uh, the second thing that made it unforgettable is that while this buffet was normally $5.99 a person, well, on Christmas Day, they're charging $16.99 a person, and all because they've got crab legs. I don't even like crab legs, all right? But I had to pay for them, and so that, that made it an unforgettable experience. But I'll tell you more than anything else, I'll tell you the one thing that I remember, and it, it wasn't just that we were lonely and as a young couple uh, spending this time away from our family, but I will never forget looking around that restaurant, and I remember I can still see one elderly man who sat at a table all by himself and eating, and I can remember what he looked like, and I can remember where he was seated, and still to this day, I wish that I could go back in time and go over and bless him in some way, whether it was just to simply wish him Merry Christmas or buy him lunch. I'll always remember that. 
My guess was that it was a very difficult Christmas for this man. Some of you know what it means to have a very difficult time at Christmas. And we all know that Christmas can be a difficult time for people, but it doesn't have to be that way. Because Christmas is good news. It is the birth of the Prince of Peace. He is the good news for us that has come in Jesus Christ. And why is that good news? Well, it's good news because it means that God loves us. I mean, it simply means that God loves us. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, the Bible says that God is love. He doesn't just simply love. The Bible says that he is love. He knows nothing else. He, he doesn't have love, but he is love. And, and God loved the world, and he loved the world so much, and that's why he sent his son, Jesus. I mean, Christmas, if you think about it, is really, it's God's way of saying, I love you. And, and you see, the reason, the reason you're alive, I mean, the reason that God created you is he created you because he loves you. I mean, he created you to love you. I mean, it's the only reason that your heart is beating right, right, uh, right now. I mean, God made you to love you, and that means that he loves you on your good days, and he loves you on your very worst days, and his love isn't based in any way on my personal performance or on your personal performance. I mean, you can't make him love you. In fact, you can't do anything that would cause him to stop loving you either. His love is based on who he is. And when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth, he was more than aware that his son would grow up and would give his life on the cross, but he gave his son anyway. It was his plan. He gave his son. He gave his son and his life for you and me. His death was for you, and his death was for me, and he did it to show us that he loves us. And not only does God love you, but he's with you. Man, that's great news, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to know that God is with you. That means that no matter what you faced this year, uh, no matter what you're up against right now or looking at, or even in anticipation for the year to come, that God will be with you. I mean, his word says that he will never leave us, that we will never be on our own. I mean, he did it. You know, once again, he sent his son to be with us, to show us that he loves us. And the Bible says that he will never abandon us. And so the good news is that he is with you. The good news is that he is love you, but that he loves you. But the good news is also that he is for you. And the truth is that our God is on your side, and he wants you to make it. And he's not out to to get you. I mean, so many people today, I think, are living in this fear of God. I mean, even Christians. But you don't have to be afraid of God, because he's not out to get you, and he's not out looking to pay you back for what you've done. I mean, look at what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to what? To save the world through him. You know, that angel from heaven, what was the announcement? Fear not. Don't be afraid. I have good news. The prince of peace is born. It's good news. And it was good news then. And it's good news today, and it's, it, it's good news if you call yourself Protestant. It's good news if you call yourself Catholic, if you would call yourself Jewish or Muslim or agnostic or atheist or just simply a Hoosier, all right? It's good news that our God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is that God loves you and that he sent the Prince of Peace for you. And for some of you, what he's doing is he is just waiting for you to respond to that love. I mean, he is waiting for you to realize how good and how great his love really is. What else does the birth of the Prince of Peace represent? The second thing is that he's the Savior. 
He is our Savior. I mean, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world and to save the world through him. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 11 again, that same uh, angelic announcement. Uh, The angel said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You know, there are a lot of things that the angels could have told the shepherds. I mean, they could have said things like, hey, a teacher has been born to you. Uh, could have made an announcement and said, a great example has been born in Bethlehem or a, a, a great model for you. But that's not the message that God sent. The angel announced today, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You see, Jesus was God's intentional plan for this world. And the very fact that our God sent a Savior into the world means that we needed one, that I need one. And that you need one. I mean, whether you realize it here today or not, I mean, you need a Savior in your life too. I remember one time uh, when my daughter Kate was just a couple of years old and um, our family was at a wedding reception together and uh, Kate was out on the dance floor just having a really good time. And uh, just jumping around as any little two-year-old girl in her dress uh, would do. And I noticed that there were a couple of little boys, just maybe around the same age, maybe a couple of years older that were playing with her and again, just having a good time and all in good fun. And so uh, they were kind of out in, a, uh, in front of me at my particular table. And well, it got to the point where I just kind of started daydreaming a bit and drifted off a bit. And all of a sudden as a father, uh, started thinking about that day when maybe my daughter would get married or uh, that day when boys started to become more and more of a reality and things like first dates. And I, I got a little anxious uh, in that moment, but I, I remember looking out and they were still kind of playing together, but then it started to get a little rough. And the boys started to get a little rough. And again, it wasn't inappropriate or anything, but before long, they kind of had my daughter pinned over in a corner off to the side of this dance floor. Now, <clears throat> In that moment, the protective father in me started to come out of his seat a little bit and not wanting to do anything that I would regret in any way because, again, they were just little boys. I turned instead. I got an idea, and I turned to my four-year-old son, Luke. Now, Luke is tender, but he's also a bulldog if you need him to be. And I just remember looking over in that moment and saying to Luke, Luke, your sister needs saved. Go get her out of that corner. And uh, in that moment, he just had this big smile on his face and went over, and he got his sister out of that corner. So it was a great lesson uh, for everyone involved in that moment. Uh, God sent Jesus as our Savior. Again, he was God's intentional plan for the world and it, because it wasn't enough for God to just simply tell us that he loves us. And so he sent Jesus into the world to save us. I mean, to save is a synonym for to rescue, uh, to deliver, uh, to set free, or to release. I mean, that's what God did for us in Jesus. He sent Jesus into this world to save us. I mean, our Savior, the Prince of Peace, he came to the world to rescue us. Now, from what, you might ask? Well, he came to save us from the chaos. I mean, he came to save us from the chaos we call regret. I mean, he, he saves us from those choices that we can't go back and change. I mean, he came to save us from the chaos that we call our past. I mean, I've met so many people who can't escape their past. I mean, they can't put their past behind them, and it, it just impacts everything for their life. I mean, the Prince of Peace came to save us uh, from the chaos that we call hurt and pain. I mean... I mean, so many scars and so many memories that have wounded us. And Jesus came to save us from those. I mean, he, he, he came to save us from the feelings of insignificance. Men, can you relate? 
And I, I talk to so many men. I meet so many men who are just drowning and are just lost in insignificance right now in their life. And it not only damages them, but it can damage your marriage and it can, it can have a great impact. It can impair your faith. I mean, Jesus came to save us from those things. I mean, Jesus came to save us from the, our fears of anxiety. He came to save us uh, from our worries. Uh, Jesus came to save us from our loneliness. He came to save us from the financial stress and pressure. He came to save us from ourselves. But most importantly, Jesus Christ came to this world to save us from our sin. Now, if you're new to all of this, I know that that word sin might be one of those <clears throat> churchy words that you really can't get your mind around. And, and it's not a very popular word to talk about, whether you're in church or even out of church in our culture today, but the truth is the truth. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is the problem uh, in this world, and it goes all the way back to the very beginning of creation, and it impacts every single one of us. I mean, men, have you ever lost your temper with your wife? Uh, ladies, uh, maybe in an attempt to Feel better about yourself? Have you ever gossiped or talked behind someone else's back? Have you ever cheated on your taxes or maybe a little misleading on an expense report or maybe lied about something? It's all sin, and we're all guilty of it. Why do we have chaos in the world? It's sin. Sin is the problem. I mean, it's something we were born with, but it's also something that we per perpetuate in our actions. I mean, sin... What it is is it's a really low view of God and a higher view of who we are and who we think we are. And, and sin is my problem, and it's my problem when I say that I don't need God in my life or that I can do life without God. I mean, it, it really, at the very heart of it, it's a pride issue. And then counter that with the fact that the truth is that God is holy and he is righteous and imperfect, and because of who he is, I mean, there cannot even be a hint of imperfection in his sight. And, and you and I, I mean, we're fallen and we're broken in every way. And even when we're at our best, I mean, we can't change the fact that we fall short of God. And because God is just, and because the Bible says that he must judge sin, we don't stand any chance on our own. I mean, sin separates us from God. Sin is the barrier that prevents us from having a relationship with God. But that is why God sent a Savior to rescue us, a solution to the problem of sin in Jesus and Jesus is the only person that has ever lived a perfect life. And he, he, he was born into this world. He came into this world as a baby. And then around the age of 33, he went to the cross and he took the punishment of sin. He took the punishment that I deserve and the punishment that you deserve. And because our Savior took on a sinner's punishment, people like you and me can receive the reward. We can receive the gift of heaven. We can receive forgiveness we can receive a new life with God in relationship with God and eternity with him in heaven. Jesus, our Savior, the Prince of Peace, he gave his life for us, and he paid the price for sin. Matthew records it like this in Matthew uh, 1, 21, and uh, in his interpretation of the announcement, the angel says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give, give him the name Jesus, because why? Because he will save the people from their sins. Who saves us? Jesus. I mean, even the very name Jesus means that he will save people from their sins. You know, I was uh, reading this past week about an anonymous donor uh, that walked into a Walmart in Ohio and uh, handed over $25,000 in gift cards. Uh, $25,000 in gift cards as a way of paying off uh, the layaway 
debt that a number of people had incurred. And uh, the story went on to say that something like uh, 100 people uh, called or received notice that their bill, their layaway payment, well, the price had been paid. There was no bill to pay any longer. Uh, And this same person, many believe, was the same man that had walked into that same Walmart last year with $27,000. You plan to do some Christmas shopping next year. I think we all better find out where that Walmart is, you know, and do our Christmas shopping there. But, you know, like this man, this secret Santa did for so many people, it's exactly, but even in greater ways, what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. He paid the debt. He paid the bill that we, that I, would never be able to pay on our own. I mean, you were, hey, listen, you were made by God, and you were made for God, and you were created so that you could live your life with him. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for you, and he did it because he loves you, and he did it because he wants to be in a relationship with you, and what God wants for your life and what he wants for my life is that we would know the freedom that comes in his forgiveness, and he wants to save you from the chaos that we so often endure in this world. And the greatest thing that he did in giving us a step into that is he paid the price, he paid the debt for my sin, and for your sin too. And it's not something we earn, and it's certainly not something we deserve. Paul records it like this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul says we are saved by grace. Grace is God's way of saying, I'll take your problems, and I'll make them my problems. It's God's way of saying, I'll take your debt, and I'll make it my debt. And what's our part? Paul says our response is to have faith. It's the faith to believe that it's true. It's the faith to believe that I could never do it on my own. Faith's my part. I mean, it's understanding uh, what I am without a Savior and then seeing who I am with one and what he did for me. And my response is I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins. And I turn to Jesus Christ in faith and believe and know with confidence that I am adopted into God's family and that I belong to him. And it's all because of his grace and his love and that he sent his son Jesus, our Prince of Peace, who came and died for me. And I remember when I was about 12 years old, um, I had grown up going to church. I mean, we went to church every week. Uh, But up until that point... I think in many ways you could say that I didn't have my own faith. It was just simply the faith of my parents. And, I mean, I'm so grateful for how they raised me and trained me and how they were pointing ahead and always pointing to Jesus and what that personal relationship for me meant. And I remember still I I was at a camp, uh, uh, a camp for for, for kids, uh, a church camp, and I was 12 years old. And in that moment, I, I just really sensed that God was working in my heart and in my life and that it was time for me once and for all uh, to embrace this truth on my own. Again, my parents had pointed the way, and I was so fortunate to see so many wonderful examples around me. But it, it was that time for me to kind of step across the line, if you would, and say, I need this in my life once and for all. And I know and I am confident that I was changed forever on that day, that day that I received Christ's love into my life, his grace given to me, and through faith receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Does it mean that I've lived a perfect life since? Absolutely not. No way. 
Does it mean that if you do something like that, well, then you're going to become a pastor? No, you don't have to worry about that. If that scares you to death, that might not be what God has in mind for you. But I will tell you this, he does have a plan for your life. And he created you on purpose. And he loves you. And he even wants to do more in your life than maybe even what you've seen right now. But for some of you today, it begins with faith. And it's receiving the love of Christ into your life and acknowledging that Jesus, our Prince of Peace, he is the good news. And that he is our Savior. And that he's my Savior. And he's your Savior. And that as God changed my life, and as he's changing my life even today, he can do the very same for you. Maybe today. Maybe today's the day that you make him the savior of your life. We know and we believe that the Prince of Peace, he is our good news. He is our savior. And finally, we know that he's our peace. We know that the Prince of Peace brings the peace that we are so often looking for in so many situations. Look at the angel's announcement again in Luke 12, verse 13. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, the angel announced a savior, the prince of peace is born, let there be peace on earth. You know, typically when we think of peace, we think the absence of conflict, right? Like that's peace. It means no conflict. I mean, we say peace means that everyone's happy and that there's no problems. And that may be true some of the time, and that may be a great thing when you're enjoying it. But the peace that the Bible promises is so much more than that. I mean, the peace the Bible speaks of comes from the Hebrew word. It's a word uh, called shalom. It means a wholeness. It means comfort. It's an inner confidence that I have in my Father in heaven. And as Christians, we know that Jesus offers that sort of peace. I mean, as the Prince of Peace, he comes to bring peace to his children. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now notice that Jesus didn't promise the absence of conflict. And he says that over and over again. He tells us, hey, in this world, you're going to have troubles. All right? But in his peace, he promises that there is strength. There is strength available. There is comfort for those of us that go through these challenges, that go through this chaos. And Jesus points out at the very same time, too, that there are a lot of counterfeits out there. There are a lot of other things that promise peace but can't deliver. I mean, there, there are a number of things in this world that promise that sort of peace or comfort that we go looking for and can't deliver. I and mean, we can name some of them. I mean, we, we can... We could put it all in a relationship, or sex, or money, a house, or a job. I mean, think about all the things that you've tried, all of the places that you've looked in your life, gone looking for satisfaction and fulfillment, ultimately to find that they can't deliver. But Jesus promises, Jesus says, I can give you peace. He says, I can comfort you. Jesus promises, he says, I can bring peace into the chaos of your life. Hey, let me just ask you this, where do you need peace in your life right now? Where would you love to see the peace of God at work in your life? I mean, comforting you, that inner confidence in him and his power right now. Paul says it like this in Philippians 4, uh, verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And it really, it's almost like a step-by-step -step formula, if you would. If you've got things in your life that are bugging you, 
things in your life that are concerning you, what are we to do with those? Paul says, present your requests to God. Go to him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, he says, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hey, God wants to give you peace. I mean, he, he loves to give gifts, and he would love to give you the gift of peace in your life. And where does that peace come from? I mean, it comes as we draw closer to him. It's a result of turning to him and, and praying to him. I mean, I can speak from experience as I am a, I'm a, a, an anxious person, if you would. And where do I find peace in my life? I find that peace. I discover that peace as I, as I go back to him over and over again. I mean, God, he wants that relationship with me. He wants that time with me, and he wants those very same things for you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants that time with you. I mean, look at it like this, too. I mean, part of the reason for the chaos in your life right now, it may be his very work to draw you closer to himself. He just keeps saying, hey, I want to use this. I want you to turn to me. And let me say this, too. You'll never experience peace in your heart until you invite the Prince of Peace into your life. I mean, you can never fully experience the peace of God in your life until you make peace with God. I mean, if you're living your life without God right now, I mean, you're basically at war with God because, again, sin has separated you from God, and you need Jesus in your life, and he came so that he could bring and deliver and ultimately give us that peace from God, that peace of God. He came to us. He came for us. And as Romans 5.1 promises, peace with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And I ran across a story uh, this past week that I think illustrates this really well. It goes like this. It says, she was 15 and he was 17 when they met. They dated all through high school, so it was no surprise to anyone when they got married right after she graduated. Four years later, she was standing in the kitchen with a sink full of dirty dishes, a pile of dirty diapers, and tears streaming down her face. Looking back, she could never be quite sure why she made the decision she did but she took off her apron and walked out. She called that night, and her young husband answered the phone, and he was understandably quite worried, but also quite angry. Where are you, he said. How are the children, she replied. Well, they've been fed, and they're in bed, but they want to know where you are, he answered. Where are you? She hung up the phone, but that wasn't the last of the phone call. She called almost every night for the next three months. Her husband knew something was wrong, but he didn't know what. He he would tell her that the children with their grandparents during the day and they were well cared for. He would tell her that he loved her and he missed her and they missed her. And he would try to find out where she was, but whenever the conversation turned up to where she was, she hung up. Finally, the young husband couldn't take it anymore. He scraped together some money and hired a private detective to go find her. The detective reported that she was staying in a third-rate hotel in Des Moines, Iowa. So he borrowed some money from his in-laws, flew to Des Moines, and after taking a cab to the hotel, he climbed the stairs to his wife's room on the third floor. And with doubt in his eyes and perspiration on his forehead, his trembling hands knocked on the door. And when she opened it, he completely forgot his prepared speech and just blurted out, we miss you so very much. Won't you please come home? And in that moment, she fell apart in his arms and left with him. One evening, several weeks later, the children were in bed, and the husband finally got up the courage to ask the question that had haunted him all the days that she had been gone. Why wouldn't you come home? We called you, 
we pleaded with you, we told you we, we, we loved you and we missed you, why wouldn't you come home? Because, she said, those were just words. But then you came to rescue me. And you came. And that made all the difference. Roman 5.1 reminds us that he is our peace. And Romans 5.8 reminds us, it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What did God do? He didn't just simply say it, but he demonstrated it in sending his own son, Jesus Christ, into this world as our good news, as our Savior, and as our peace. And let me ask you here today, can you say that you know him as your good news and as your Savior and as your Prince of Peace? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that Christmas is good news. Uh, that Christmas reminds us that you sent your Son, a Savior, for us because you love us. We thank you for the Prince of Peace that, that comes into our lives, that can give us the strength and the courage to walk through so many things that we face. And God, I pray that right now in our hearts we would know the power of this truth and it would change us and motivate us and move in us, Lord. And God, ultimately, that it would just increase in us this desire to know you and to know you well and to be in relationship with you and to desire you and to live for you all of the days of our lives. And Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those that are here this morning, God. Um, I pray for your work in us. Um, I pray for your work in our very specific situations, God, because we believe and know that you understand the chaos that we're facing right now. But God, I pray that we would know the power of the truth, that you came to rescue us. And uh, as we pray, I, I just want to ask you this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Prince of Peace? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? And... Uh, I want you to know and remind you that he loves you, that he gave his son for you. And I believe with all of my heart that maybe part of the reason why you're here today is to hear this very message. And uh, so I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to respond to it today. And if you just sense and believe that God's working in your life today and drawing you to himself, uh, don't push back. Don't hold back. But maybe in these words or in words of your own, just pray, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I confess my sin to you. I need you in my life, Lord. Change my life forever. And pray those words. And be confident in those words today. That if you pray a prayer like that, that you are adopted into God's family and that you belong to him, that you've been made right because of Jesus Christ with him and that your life will never, ever be the same again. You have made peace with God. And because of that, you can understand and know the peace of God, and we celebrate that with you today as they're celebrating in heaven over your decision and your prayer. God, we pray that you would keep changing us. God, we, we turn our eyes to you as our Lord and Savior and pray.